0: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: My escape began young in music, so I could be identified by my violin. And I put one of my violins here almost in representation that when I got into major emotions, I didn't drink or drug yet as a young child. I had this instrument. It was my savior. You know, not, not a lot of people do that. They, that they end up doing the worst things. And, you know, I, you know, my dark path, I look like a cheerleader to some of my friends in the program, but my dark path was hidden. Nobody saw it. It wasn't on display. I was sneaky. I was behind the scenes overdosing. I was, um, I wasn't picking this up. I was picking drugs and alcohol up. And then it, because you wanted, I'd been doing music so long and I had an obligation to become a star. I was, I better do my drugs and alcohol because that's what you want me to be. Right, mom, right, mom, right, mom. And picking it up, I no longer fell in love with it anymore. I fell in love with drugs and alcohol that trumped any of my success and what I really love to do, which is music.
2: This is Jen Sugarmeyer with recovery today magazine, bringing you stories of strength and hope. And today we are joined by the incredible, I have been waiting for this interview for about a year. The incredible Rachel Stacy, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. You look beautiful by the way. Thank you. And likewise. And I love everything <laughs> going on in in your room that you're in right now. And if it's no <laughs> surprise, Rachel Stacy is an incredible musician and I actually had the opportunity to see you live finally here not too long ago and you know. she That was so, it was just so good. It was so inspiring. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, Rachel, I will, I will start with this, that I had heard about you about mm, maybe two years ago, and I was told that. You need to meet Rachel Stacy because she is amazing. That's exactly Aww. how you were presented to me. And I didn't know a whole lot about you. I'd heard a little bit, whatnot, but obviously I started following you on all the social medias and got to know you and your personality and, and some of your relationships and all of that. And, and now I've become more familiar with, with all your music and everything you're doing. And it's absolutely the truth. So thank you. So well, much. I think it was I think it was love at first
1: sight too when we finally met. <laughs> yes. Everybody tell me. You and Jen Sugarmire you need to meet.
2: So I love yes. it. I love it. Yes, yes. So, and you have a lot of incredible things that are coming up, including November being a big month for you. So why don't you tell us what November is in Rachel Stacy's world? Uh, November sixth, two thousand eleven, is when I got sober, and so I, God,
1: I, I almost started tearing up just now. Wow, already not ten yet. years. It's amazing. Yeah. ten years. I and it's. So much has happened in 10 years that I still feel like it's the first year, Yeah, you know, like, but it's just, I have more experience with, um, how I stay sober, you know? So yeah, 10 years, um, I'm engaged. Yeah. I'm engaged. Uh, I
2: am moving currently, et cetera, et cetera. So that that's my November coming up. Wow, you got you have a lot of stuff going on, and congratulations on ten years of sobriety. So, Thank why you. don't you walk us through your journey? Tell us a little bit about your life and and how addiction started to come into play in in your life. Well, okay, so the short—I'll give the
1: short version—and I'll let you ask me what I'm just—I feel like I've told my story enough where I start losing sight of what really happened. Um. I like to start with the family side of it, you know, cause I grew up, um, I was a pageant girl. I was in music very young. Uh, my mother was living through me. I truly believe she's just doing the best she could with the tools she had, but there was a lot of abuse, a lot. There was a lot of, um, um, verbal, mental, and, uh, physical, and it started very young. And what's funny is it didn't start for me. I was just experiencing it before six years old, and then a new man came in our life. my My stepdad, uh, all of a sudden, started you know physically hitting me, like smacking me in the head, and it was very confusing for a little girl that never been really spanked, even because yeah. I was not a bad kid. I had a little bit of an attitude, but I I mean, <laughs> go figures. I still have it. But I also was very sweet and shy. And yeah. believe it or not, you know people, but um, but the short of it is I grew up around it a lot. You know, my mother was, um, my mother wasn't a drinker, but she was a fixer. You know, she had to fix everybody, but I was around it with my real dad, my stepdads, you know, it was always around me, but little did I know going forward, uh, that the abuse would get so bad that it was trauma, you know, it mm-hmm. became extremely traumatic, um, I thought the divorce with my parents would be traumatic, you know, when, once you start getting older and start getting into it yeah. and it, it really wasn't, that was almost like, cause I was so young. Um, right. but then I got older and, uh, developed all the definite survival skills of an abused little girl and possibly a narcissist mother. You know, you find this stuff out and the reason why I just throw it in there is cause I didn't even know what that stuff was. till I got sober and started going to therapy and started learning. Oh my gosh. I can't blame my parents anymore. So you know, so you were,
2: and my eyes started watering. So I'm I noticed. So it. I was like, "Are you okay? Are you crying?" Like, Am I Jen, okay? don't make this about you, but like, it won't <laughs> stop. I don't know why it. There's something it's in okay. the air. I don't know why it started. Anyway, um, it's like I look like I'm crying. I'm not crying at your story. Uh, that's never happened. So anyway, um, okay, so you were like five years old, and your mom has you in the pageants, and you. Gone through divorce and stepdads and the abuse all by the time you were five, six years old, very six young. Six years old.
1: Yeah. So, and pretty much uh my mother was a musician, you know, she did all uh-huh. that stuff. So she I grew up around, I mean, you you see old pictures of us, and it's like yeah. all these rock star guys around us, and then me in the middle of the room with all these drinking hippies, you know. Yeah. And yeah. to you know, to a lot of people, that's cool, you know. And I just I don't remember a lot of that. I started remembering things so my my survival skills became extreme. Um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh extremely almost like I was cut repression like I was trying to you know I was trying to uh t- say Uh, I'm sorry. Something keeps going off and it's driving me. It's my squirrels going but It was some kind of a survival. (laughs) Your eye, some kind of weird thing going on. (laughs) Um, There was, it was more like a, uh, repression, if you Uh will, or a wall that went up that I started kind of not remembering a lot of things and it it didn't happen very quickly. And I became the stronghold, the, um, I'm going to fix everybody. I'm going to make you love me. I'm going to get him to quit hitting me. I'm going to become, or, and then, then you flash forward to the rebellion kicks in as a teenager, you know, you're kind of your typical. And the reason why I say psychological, it's almost like you're right out of the psychology books, everything right. that happened happened. But for me, I started, uh, I think disassociating very young. Like I, um, I started my, my things that were identifying me were talent. You know, everyone's like, she's so talented. And then I got older and it was, Uh, My nickname was string bean. So there's always focus on my body. Mm. And then it became, uh, sorry, people bubble butt was my nickname because I had a little bubble butt and it was, it was body oriented. It was extremely, my looks, my mother would be like, I can't believe you walked in here looking like that. I mean, remember I started pageants early, so I'm already, I don't think I'm pretty. I, I, to me, I was the most awkward, skinny. Yeah, not a lot going on. And I was like, but I guess. Whatever, I was cute enough, but I never won any pageants. I always won the most talented, right? Always won the most talented or the prettiest dress. Never like uh-huh. good attitude, pretty. Because I was backstage fighting everybody. I was like, what yeah. are you looking at? I mean, or my mom would be like brushing my hair. I'm like, stop! Because I wanted yeah. to be playing ball out with the boys. I wanted to be outside.
2: Yeah. How, anyway, how, long, how long did you do the competitions? and, and Oh, gosh. There? I think till I was... A few years, I okay. I, say, I
1: think I want to say because yeah. I was a teenager by the time, by the time I started backing off, I was uh, too tall for my category. I uh, shot up real quick, so I'm um, they moved me up, and then I wasn't really interested anymore. And then right. my mother met my stepdad, blah blah blah. You know that story,
2: yeah. The, but it, but reason, it was a long time to be focused on, you know, yeah, you winning in front of yeah an audience and being yeah. judged for looks and and all that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it affects me today. I still don't think I'm pretty enough. I don't think I'm skinny enough. I don't, I don't care. And I, you know, the, if we fast forward, I was in fitness competitions. I was a meathead, like muscles were everything. And, yeah. you know, I have to have my face a certain with my lips away, my first certain, I mean, come on, I wear lashes. I'm Dolly Parton all over, but I admit it. I was like, but what I'm saying is but there's the cool thing about Dolly for our thing is, is she admits it and she loves it. And I yeah. finally got to the point where I was like, I just like it, long lashes. Okay, you can deal yeah. with it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm. It did. But I'm saying my identifier was I was never pretty enough. I was never good enough. Mm-hmm. You're too skinny. You have no boobs. You, uh, as a little girl, you're not winning because of this. You're not this. Right. So, um, right. the minute I found alcohol, and uh for me, it ended up in drugs. You know, once I found it, I could almost find a voice to feel prettier, Mm -hmm. to feel, uh, more talented, to talk to you, have a conversation. I couldn't even have a conversation. Yeah. Give you the
2: confidence.
1: Yeah. It gave me all the liquid courage. And I just thought, and I would go to, I was young and I'd go to concerts and drink with my friends. And we're always the pretty, we, you know, what we thought we were, you know, we're like the pretty girls hanging out with the band, you know, just, just in the false reality I was living in, I was just dying inside for somebody to accept me, Mm -hmm. just accept me for who I still struggle with it today. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm glad I'm getting a record deal, but they probably are going to get rid of me. I mean, I mean, I go right into sabotage because I never did it right growing up. So drugs and alcohol gave me the outlet to begin um, a journey that turned very dark. Yeah. Where I no longer even knew who I was looking in the mirror. You know, I was skinny. I thought I looked good. I looked like I was a street person. I was, it, it was not a good place for me to be. And I, this brain of mine was in denial. I really thought that I could handle this. I can do this. I'm a survivor of abuse. I can do it. And it, was not turning out that way. And I almost died over and over. Wow.
2: So, so at what point of, in your life, so you, you've gone from the pageants and then you've started casually drinking and then, you know, going out with the girls and experiencing all of <laughs> you <get> that. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at what point was this the college fun versus maybe there's something more that's going on here? Okay. So that's interesting. You you said that that. for you. Yeah. Mm, So, or did you always know that, that I didn't
1: know I drank like that. I thought it's because I ate something different or I should have done this or that. Uh, Let me, let me be real clear about something. I drank alcoholically from day one, Mm. but I didn't know what that meant until I got into my program. I I had no idea what drinking alcoholically meant. I did drugs like a drug addict because I am, you yeah. know, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm all or nothing. I'm all in or I'm yes. all out. There's never balance, That's you know, dramatic. as you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what balance means. So yes. when you <laughs> ask that, it's interesting. <laughs> what does that mean? But I know that my guitars are balancing great, but I, that I'm not definitely not that stable, but something I thought I think interesting too. Okay. Let me, let me, let me give it a short story. So the very first tour I went on Um, my ex was in my band with me and I remember telling him the story, like me, you know, telling you the darkness, the abuse was really bad. I was almost killed by my stepfather. Um, we lived in poverty. We looked like we lived in five stars. So we kept up with the Joneses. They might've had money, but they weren't taking care of things. I don't know. I'm a little girl. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I just knew that there was, there was a false sense of reality when I created my own narrative to believe I mean, I was lying. I was like, oh yeah, I have two big brothers. I was just like naturally lying to get people and to you like me. Two big brothers. No, 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 no. Oh, I, I, yeah. I developed this sense of like me. I live in, I live in like five-star Oklahoma. Like I was coming up with these stories that I thought you wanted me to be. Meanwhile, nothing was as it seemed. So for me, that little story I just told you, I told to my ex and I was explaining to him that um, how bad it was. So my very first tour, my band, uh, we went around the United States Well, we stayed with my two of my aunts and my mom, when we were to, through the tour, you know, cause we're a young band and we didn't have anywhere to stay whatever, or the budget. And every single one of my aunts, I say every single, both aunts and my mother live in these grand homes. They're beautiful. Um, all my aunt and my aunts and my mother, they're gorgeous. It does not come off. Like I've told the truth. And Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're misunderstanding. This is all, yes, this is how they live now. But, but back, then, back then it was
2: different. Yeah, It
1: was terrible. So it was really interesting when I, by the time I got out of college and we were out on the road and again, let me, let me put interject in there. The things I'm telling you, the little successes are after I'd had overdosed and then I would just quit using for a while mm-hmm. uh, and then it overdosed again and quit using for a while. And whether it be alcohol or drugs, doesn't matter. Or even a hymn, I'd overdose and come back and I'd work hard. I'd go to the gym and I'd quit drinking for a while. So I was a sporadic drinker. But the reason I told you that story about my band, I really found it interesting that there was some gossip going on when I got back to California. And I can't remember how I heard. I might be telling it wrong. I don't know. Sometimes I forget or how it got to me. But it was something like, I like how she uses abuse to get people to relate to her. It was something so high school. And I remember going, what? And I got into it with somebody where they're like, yeah, we know how you are. We saw your family, you have money and you just act like you don't have it. I was like, and I remember I was like, oh my God, they, no wonder they don't believe me. I fake everything. I, and I'm not lying. The first
2: time you had that realization that there was maybe a disconnect between.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah.
2: There's almost, almost like
1: what? No, 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 no. That really happened. You got uh, like uh, it wouldn't. It's like saying your your family was this way, and so they have got pictures in their brain of right. how it should be. I guess I don't right. know. All I know is, to yeah. me, it was the first time I had a realization of I I don't I I pretend to be somebody else. Oh my god, I'm always pretending to be somebody else. I'm so exhausted from yeah. trying to be somebody. I'm starting to cry, but I'm tired no. because I want my mom to approve of me. I want my real dad to approve. I want you to approve of yeah. me. And so the drinking and the drugging, it was just getting worse and worse. And those realizations were coming to fruition. And if you could hand me, I don't care what drug it was. I'd yeah. do it. Alcohol. I'd out drink the boys and I had no problem doing it because that was cool. But underneath it all, I was like, this is not who I am. Yeah. I need to know who, who am I? I don't even know who I am. Yeah. I, 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 and I know, I know Jen, you can probably relate to this, that I still, today, 10 years later in sobriety, will try to figure out how to be how you want me to be. Here's the difference. I recognize it. And I go, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop, stop. God, for me, good orderly direction for others, whatever. Help me recognize what I'm doing. You know, because for me, that's to drink. To me, that's to die. The minute you don't accept me for being the way you want me to be, it leads back to my childhood. And yeah. the reason I always bring my childhood up is because it was the false, I started false reality very young. Yeah. And I should be dead. Yeah. That's the bottom line.
2: And and I think that is so, that is, that's a very common theme of, I show you what you want to see. And I I am not who, you know, and, and there's that disconnect. And the truth is to live two lives, to live one life is exhausting.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, it's so exhausting
2: (laughs) to try to have multiple lives it, it, it just, it spirals us down further and it, and and that I think really, you know, once you're, you're going down, it's just easier to keep on that track than, than to pull your yourself up. And so, you know, I resonate. I think that is going to land with a lot of people when they hear, Mm -hmm. you know, what you've gone through with, Hey, I wanted to show that everything was good. I wanted to appease my parents. I wanted to do all of the things, you know, I wanted to be that person for everybody, but where were you in all of that?
1: Yeah. Like and hurting. I think I was hurting and I I I have kind of a story when I got to LA and Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um one of the realizations as a songwriter I started songwriting and poetry at a very young age mm-hmm. and I was dark. You guys fifth grade should not be writing dark poetry mm-hmm. unless you're just depressed Yeah, as clinically. And I probably was, um, but I started writing this really dark, dark stuff and my mom was finding it and, you know, they were worried about it, but there's nothing done about it. But I do look back at that. I think that was my cry for help. And I think that's why I'm a songwriter still today. Cause I can't, I made a, I tweeted the other day that I, I can't ever express my emotions the right way, unless it has a tune to it,
2: (laughs) you know, because yeah, music is so power, powerful. I mean, I think the way that people are able to express themselves is, um, you know, it's people, people can dance, people can, you know, they feel good to it, but really there's a deep message there that you're saying, and, and I love listening and, and picking apart songs and, and really getting to the heart of someone because that's coming right. from their heart. People aren't usually writing surface stories. Um, at least not some of the really not, good, yeah, good but, songs. No, you know? Some of them are to
1: make money, but even in the ones that make money, there's depth. So I love that you said right. that. Yeah. yeah. Cause even in, you know, Nashville, Hollywood, New York, wherever you want to say, it, if the song hits, somebody's put their heart into it. And I think yeah. that's well said because, my escape began young in music. So I could be identified by my violin. And I put one of my violins here almost in representation that when I got into major emotions, I didn't drink or drug yet as a young child. I had this instrument. It was my savior, you know? Yeah. Not, a, not a lot of people do that. They, that. they end up doing the worst things. And, you know, I, you know my dark path I look like a cheerleader to some of my friends in the program, but my dark path was hidden. Nobody saw it. It wasn't on display. I was sneaky. I was behind the scenes overdosing. I was, um, I wasn't picking this up. I was picking drugs and alcohol up. And then it, because you wanted, I'd been doing music so long and I had an obligation to become a star I was, I better do my drugs and alcohol because that's what you want me to be. Right. Mom, right. Mom, right. Mom. And picking it up. I no longer fell in love with it anymore. I fell in love with drugs and alcohol that trumped any of my success in what I really love to do, which is music. And I did go through a phase of like, maybe I, am I just doing all this crap to to fit in? Do I just want somebody to accept what am I doing? You know, I was like, and I think, once I got to recovery and every time for me, the program not only taught me to be sober, but to seek, um, answers from people who've been there before me mm-hmm. and answers of people who relate to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've been on a suicide mission many, many years on an installment plan. I was trying to kill myself so I could get away from you, you, and you who want me to be the way you want me to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, my rebellious side was like, I'll show you, you know, and then, the, but my little girl was like, well, somebody just tell me it's okay. Mm-hmm. Someone just wrapped their arms around me and tell me that it's okay, but it it wasn't okay. And I had this smiley face. I'm okay. And so it took me getting into recovery to have a therapist say, you're very depressed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? My bubbly face. I, I'm not depressed. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not depressed. I'm glad that mental health is now being talked about because if you said that in Hollywood almost 11 years ago that anyone had to deal with your mental health yeah you were not going to be accepted at all so I learned how to be like no I'm a rock star
2: everything's great (laughs) you know like (laughs) so I, I fit right in and, and that's why it's so important to come out and, and tell your story because others see this and we've, it is a progression, anything that's been very highly stigmatized, which alcohol has been you know, that, I mean, anything you talk about HIV, you talk about cancer. I mean, any of these lung cancer, whatever, I mean, talking about them and for us to get to where we accept them and understand them, it it takes people coming forward. It takes a lot of courage and strength to come forward and talk about your mental health journey, because yeah, it's this word that just, Ooh, mental health. It sounds icky, but we all have mental health. It just, are you are you in a good mental health or do you, you know, do you Ex- to work? We all have like, mental
1: health, <laughs> but I love that. You're right. We all have yeah. mental, but yeah. I, I, you know, I think it almost started too, for me, when Brittany started being so beat down and I lived out in LA when all that was going on, she literally that hospital, Britney she was at, I lived right. Yeah. I lived oh, right okay. down the street from Brittany's, not from Brittany, but from where the, they had blocked off everything for her. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't remember what's going on, but I remember how bad people talk about it. We're in Hollywood. So it's like, you know, nobody has anything to talk about the bars and except for what's going on. And I, I used to buy schmutt magazines. That's what I call them. So I could just have something on my table for parties for people to talk about. And, um, I was actually heartbroken for her underneath mm. it all that I wanted Brittany. I was like, she doesn't have anybody. I mean, I don't even know her. And I was like, what about where it's, where, where's her support? Who's standing up for her? I've always had a heart for her mm-hmm. and it's not because she's famous and she, blah. she's doing what she was taught to do as a young child. So maybe there's a connection. I don't know. And she's good at what she does. She's yeah. always been a hard worker, but, and it was very much that same thing, but it was, I remember seeing that in the tabloids and, or not away from tabloids. Let's just say any, everyone taught everyone. And how bad it was. It was naughty to be a mentally unstable person. You know, now today I'm like, I'm having a mental health day. And yeah. you know what? If I don't kill this person, that person, that person, I've done good. You know, good mostly
2: myself. Yeah. You know, the um the statistics after before COVID, the CDC said it was 20 to 25 percent. They went back and forth of uh, had that had poor mental health. After okay. COVID, we're up to 40. that's almost one in two people. So you look at two people, one of them has poor mental health. I mean, the the numbers are just unbelievable. And 40%, that's absolutely unreal. Yeah, yeah, and we all look the same, right? We all breathe, we all everything. And and it's, um, so to talk about mental health and normalize it, that's where we need to be as a society. And to talk about things like, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, I was just gonna say you were, I'm just interjecting, Mm -hmm. you're right. And you you just said something that was perfect for people to talk about it, but to also show a solution mm-hmm. instead of talking, so, we're talking good about it. We're like, hey, everyone deals with this stuff. Look at our country, our world has changed. Yeah. And for let, let me tell you this, I always loathe the day I would actually have to tell how my mother behaved. And she can watch this and she can be angry with me or whatever, but she thinks I'm the one hurting. I was, you're right. But it comes to a point to where I was hiding those feelings because I didn't want to reveal what really happened. Mm-hmm. And she was an abused person too. You know, this is not just about my mom. So it was my real dad, blah, blah, blah. You know, sick families create sick families and when you were, we didn't talk about it. So, you know, when we get into the program for me, all you hear is about the pink elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, all the focus is on the addict. All the focus is on the bad person. Well, I was always trying not to be the bad person. I was like, I don't want to get hit. I don't want this, you know? So I created these stories of I'm okay. I don't need you to deal and cope. And my drinking and drugging allowed me to be this strong, Mm -hmm. you know, I had this big block around me. And by the way, I'm an addict of anything. I mean, I can, I can get high on tacos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like all of a sudden I'm addicted to tacos all the time. And, but what it is, is the brain starts recognizing, why do I want that taco? Mm -hmm. I don't want to cope with something right now. I need to, I need to feel different. Oh, that Mm -hmm. I, I was addicted to IC's tacos. It's always part of my story, but I think talking to you about it right now and that we're on a zoom meeting for or a zoom meeting as I we're back and forth. We get to do it. Think about 10 years ago when it was still almost taboo to even talk about this stuff. Yeah. So it's still kind of taboo, like being a woman in in the different industries. But if I'm going to be chastise or whatever because of my mental health and the reason I say that is because when I first got sober I could not believe some of the things I heard about myself.
2: Oh my gosh. That people were saying about you. you know?
1: Oh my gosh. And it was getting back to me and uh, people who really care about me They're like, uh, "Did this happen? Uh, did this yeah. happen?" And um straight out of a high school book. I was like, "What? We're adults." And But what it was is I had surrounded myself with other people who struggle with things like I do, and I was maintaining this wall that people could feel like, I um, mean, they're trying to fix them, or people could feel like, um, I don't know how to explain this, almost like we can be in each other's misery together. And misery
2: loves company, misery loves company.
1: And then when I got sober, the stories that came back, one girl was telling me, she goes, yeah, um, she, we, her and I had a heart to heart. And um, she goes, uh, yeah, I heard all about your, your methamphetamine addiction and I'm, And what I can't remember what she was telling me. I just remember sitting, we were in front of Bucky's. I'll never forget. And I was like, that's what someone told you? you I was in Texas
2: when this happened. Then, yes, by the time
1: I got so, yeah. So it was so interesting what I had attracted around me. I'm like, well, what did you think that I'm just, I don't know, just nobody ever said anything like, hey, you have a problem. But the reason I tell you that is because when I'd surrounded myself with those people, they made me feel comfortable with this that Mm -hmm. wall I keep talking about. Mm -hmm. I felt comfortable being this fake person, meaning didn't even know I was being fake. I just knew I could drink and drug my way into getting you to like me. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where today it's different. So you're asking how it kind of goes forward. I overdosed, I moved, I changed locations. I changed people. I changed um, I've never changed my career. That is the one thing. Uh, I mean, I changed my career when I left sports medicine and fitness, I got into music hundred percent. See, I'm all or nothing. I can't mm-hmm. do it. half mm-hmm. But when it came to my real passion, I started doubting who I was because of the people I was attracting. Yeah. And I'm not saying, cause a lot of people I hung out with some really great people, by the way, for anybody who walk, watches this. I hate to say this, those, some of those great people didn't want anything to do with me for a while and they're back in my life. And, or they didn't even notice because I was so fake about it. I was like, no, I had people approach me and say, I didn't even know you were an addict. I was like,
2: what? Well, and, and I think that's some of the cunning baffling part of this as well, because Ooh, yeah. there is absolutely no one. This is what an addict looks like. Okay. You know, it is that person under the bridge that has the needle hanging out of their arm that can't hold a yeah. job. Absolutely not. And there are a lot of people that are suffering in silence, which I believe is, is our responsibility or a, a now that we are in a position of sobriety. We, we have that ability to help give others strength through our stories and let them know that they're not alone, that they are okay. And the walls that they may have up, you can bring them down and get the help that you need. So, but that's that's the that's the cunning thing that's the cunning part about it is that there is no this is what an addict looks like so how do you even know sometimes when you're going through it i mean i thought i was just partying in college like having a good time but i was an alcoholic <laughs> drinker blacking out and doing all the things that yes i can identify now but i didn't acknowledge it then so i think you said
1: something that was really important that i i would hope people would understand too is that um i changed my view by the way it was so weird i was like where am i looking um I, you said something about like in college, like we think we're supposed to be doing that. It, it did take me almost dying and getting into recovery to, uh, find out I didn't even party like that in college. I was, I, I again, I would not drink cause my friends were not drinking mm. or I would drink cause my friends were drinking, or I would go out with my, with my sorority sisters because I have to fit an image and I would go and have my few drinks with them, leave them and go with my hardcore party friends in Hollywood. Mm. I had these lives that were like separate lives. And like you're saying, you're saying in caught like, like you're drinking like you're supposed to or whatever. I'm like, I thought I was supposed to do that. I just mm-hmm. thought that was normal. I was right. like, because, oh, I don't need you to know what I'm really doing. Because I know she doesn't like drugs or she, he didn't like this yeah. or whatever. It's exhausting, Jennifer. It's totally. so exhausting. I'm exhausted thinking about it. Yeah. And if I can help it I'll I'll never forget one of the girls I know, everybody started talking about her Started. She became a stripper uh, and was drinking heavily. And this, I I love this girl. She, um, like lots of money, like just came from filthy rich. And I was just like, why doesn't, why does someone help her? Why doesn't someone, I mean, she has money why would she do that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: did you hear what I just said? I didn't know anything about addiction. I was like, Oh, why? Cause you have a lot of money. Why wouldn't you, why would you go do that? Mm-hmm. And I was, I didn't know. And so the reason I'm telling you that is because it's, we we've got to spread the knowledge. We've got to show right. people that there's, there's help. And then Jen, look, let me, I'm looking at you. You're stunning. When I met you in person, by the way, if people have not met her in person, she's even more beautiful in person. I was like, Whoa, you're stunning. <laughs> but because I know what you do, um, I know where you're coming from. You have what I want, not because of your physical, you're gorgeous. It's there's something in these women in these that became sober and started finding out who they were that I went, Oh, well, maybe I can find out who I am too. You know, if she can, maybe I can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why today, ten years later, I hope. You know, we're not talking about the nitty-gritty of what really happened. The darkness—I um, could get real dark, and it looked real, real scary. Because the abuse was not acceptable. The drugs were not acceptable. And the way that I allowed people to treat me was not acceptable. What was acceptable is that God was keeping me alive.
2: That's mm-hmm. it. That's the only thing that was keeping me alive. So. So because so what, we're, we're, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, I was gonna ask what your, what was that defining moment then? Because yes, there is so much dark that leads us to where where we were. And we right. have seen glimpses of, you know, this is what life can look like. How, what was your journey to sobriety? What would that look like?
0: Uh. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain, A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older.
1: Honestly, it took, uh, somebody who loves me in the pro, I mean, in the music world, that's like a dad to me telling me to, you know, he, it's a big part of my story and that he said, uh, don't let that sauce kill your dreams. Cause I was complaining about something. And for about three or four years, I've been telling everybody I was going to quit drinking, um, just because of fitness and health. <laughs> and by the way, for those, a lot of people know that I have 15 years of another program called al So I'd been in 12 step programs to quit fixing alcoholics and addicts for five years before I ever stepped in the rooms and of uh, my 12 step rooms. He said to me, Rachel, don't let that sauce kill your dreams. And then he introduced me to another sober member of the program and who's in the music world. And, um, I'm working with him today, but uh, he sat me down and was like, you know, what do you want? What, what are your assets? And I was like, I don't want to drink anymore, but he told me of his successes mm-hmm. and then told me like Bonnie Wright successes. And, and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I'm kind of a payoff person. So I was like, so if I quit drinking and drugging, maybe I'll attract better people and things, you know, it took for me to to see somebody else. So it was a lot of self-control too, because I thought I could do this on my own. I've done it before. I don't need you. I don't need, I don't, I don't need anybody. I'm a survivor. I can do this. Remember I said that earlier and it was the first time I'd been broken down enough to where November 5th, 2011 was, um, the short of the story is I had a show here in in Fort Worth. I, um, the week before I'd said, I'm going to quit drinking and a bunch of people sent me a bunch of wine and I drank it all night. And then the next week I had a show there and I said, I'm not going to drink a lot. Um, the drugs were coming out. I'd quit drugs a few years before. And I knew, I knew that was, I knew it was coming back if I started doing this again. And sure enough, I went out, I said, I'm not drinking tonight. I ended up blacking out after my show. And it was, uh, with a radio station here. And, um, where people were calling the next day. But all I remember is blacking out on the way home and wake coming to crawling down a hall naked with my arm reached out. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And I was talking to my boyfriend at the time and I don't really know what happened. I really blacked out. I mean, and then the next thing you know, I wake up in the morning, I'm in my bed and I'm like, Oh my God. And my ex was now, I mean, he was laying next to me, which I didn't expect to see. He gets up. I ask him, I don't ever get into the details of the story, but I asked him what happened. And he, he stopped and looked at me like puzzled. And he's like, Mm. I would have to pin it down. And he like could have shot daggers right through my eyeballs, Mm. walks out. And I was like, I laid in bed, the gigs up. I have got to stop. I'm going to get back into I'm going to die. I'm going to, something's going to happen. And the next thing, you know, I made that phone call and, uh, I went to my first meeting of, you know, 12 step program that we all know Mm -hmm. and, um, walked in 20 minutes late. So I wouldn't have to say the words. And at the very end, they asked
2: the, the A word in your name. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. And I uh was already trying to control it day one. But they read a reading in the big book that talked about if you've ever done this, this, or this, you might be an alcoholic. And I just wept and wept and wept. I knew it. I knew it was up. I knew it was up. But I did come in thinking you guys could treat. I came in the program thinking they could teach me to learn who I am. Remember, get those walls down. And I could quit drinking. Um because I could find out who I was and then I could start drinking again
2: right they, that is like a no-no they, they teach us uh, moderate drinking and alcoholics anonymous or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah can you teach to me drink moderately
1: yeah like a class like I'm gonna head take a class online okay okay one all right all right this is what I do now you know <laughs> okay. I, and honestly that's my brain my brain will do that to me 10, ten years later yeah, my brain will go
2: yes. you know yes. Yeah. That's, that's the tricky. And I, yeah, I don't know how many times I've said that, like, oh, well just this time, I'm just going to have two. You may <laughs> do that once that may happen once in your life. And because that happened that one time you're like, well, I did it before I could do it again. It never happened, <laughs> I don't know it I, but that's, and we're laughing about it,
1: but if people who've been in recovery, they understand what you and I are talking about. They they, it's because my, remember the tacos, I try to, this is the way I try to teach it for me. It's the tacos or um, addicted. I used to be addicted to my office. Yeah, I, I'd have to be in my office working all day long, and then I just quit coming to my office. I know I was never in or out. I was never balanced. I could, so my sponsor and my you know program, I was a. Like, How about you just go to your office four hours a day because I work from home and then I tour. So they were like, four hours a day. What she's like? She literally gave me instructions. I'm in recovery, you guys. I'm like, I mean, Jennifer, I'm. I didn't even know how to do my laundry by this point. It'd gotten that bad. My sponsor goes, how about you go into the office four hours a day? She goes, so my old office at my home, there were two doors and I had a, she had me write enter exit and it, it said office on the top of it. And so in the morning I would check into work and I'd go in and I'd work four hours and it'd be up. The timer would be up and I'd be like. I'm so addicted to the room. I mean, it was wild. Mm. The brain was te- the brain. Oh, no, I, I can five more minutes, five more minutes. And she's like, no, you leave at the four hours. So what happened is I started mm. getting in yeah, a better routine. So mm. I would shut. And then when I got off work, if you will, mm-hmm. I'd shut both office doors and it was the in and out door. I didn't enter until I had went back to work mm. because my brain tells me I need to be in there. I need to be in there or it says, I can't go in there. I can't go in there. There's yeah. never anything in between. And like, right. the beginning of our, remember the beginning of our conversation was balanced. I today still don't know how to do it. I still don't, I have to call. I'm just better at it. Yeah. You know, I'm better at it because I'm really in danger. I have a new album. I have all these things coming out. And I want to sabotage because I don't deserve it because that, what I just told you, I'm in one door, and out the other door and I'm either in the office
2: all the time or not in the office at all. I don't know how to swing the doors to be balanced. So, so you have the same favorite word in the English dictionary as I do, which is moderation. Hmm. When I hear that, I'm like, what is that Screw you in your moderation? I, <laughs> oh, Jen, why don't you just drink in moderation? I'm like, if I understood that, <laughs> then I wouldn't be an alcoholic. <laughs> then I would just do it. <laughs> my oh, brain, my, my brain doesn't get it. Yeah, but it's, and, and I don't know, this is for me. And, and it sounds like it's kind of the, the same for you. You know, I have to be really careful, especially when it comes to things like coffee, gum, Tea with caffeine in it, things yes. that I can get very addicted to. Yes, I. I mean, I. I can. I'm, I'm like you with tacos. I'm like all or none. In fact, I'm on a taco kit. Okay, I've been on like I'm on my 60 day co- taco diet. So I'm like, do uh,
1: I need to be your I, taco sponsor? You
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I have to be, especially if I can get addicted to something like the aspartame and gum, or the caffeine and coffee, or whatever. I have to be especially aware of those things because I will just. Whoosh, all or none. So are there things that you do in your life now to help you identify these things and balance it out kind of that four hours and then you, you know, or enter here and exit here. Do you have things that you do to help you find that balance? Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, And the reason I'm doing this is because as you're doing it, I'm like, I have so many things right now that it is self-talk. It is sponsor talk, self-talk. And for me, I have a spiritual path. I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. It's what keeps me sober. No human keeps me sober and I can't do it on my own. But what I do know is that there, I feel like sometimes the people, the women like you, you know, with experience have some God sense and not nonsense, God sense. Mm-hmm. And when I like, um, I called someone during the program, a few weeks ago and I was like, I, I just, I, uh, uh, I'm almost 10 years and I'm crazy right now. And she's like, Oh, I remember. And like, she gave me her story. You know, my sponsor will walk through cause she's seen me from day one, poor thing, um, put up my fronts again. And what I do is I start doing what you did. I go on a taco kick or I don't do my, I just won't pay a bill or I won't it's like, I, okay. While you were saying, while you were asking me that, all I could think is the thing that's baffling about our disease today is that we're sober and we go through these little addictions, but the best part is when I know I'm doing it and I go, I am eating this third bag of Reese's pieces. I don't care. You know, I was like, at least I'm not drinking, but right. the problem is the next day I'm like, I'm so fat. I'm just so fat. I was like, so it's like, then, so you ask what I do. I know I still torture myself. I know I still do it. I have the brain of an addict, an alcoholic. What I do is I ask for removal this morning. I woke up very cranky and I mean, cranky. I did three shows yesterday. I had two at globe life and I did a hotel show last night. So there are three short shows, but there were three shows in a row Mm -hmm but I love what I do so I didn't I don't even notice it you know it's like whatever it's just my job I come home but I wake up I'm ready to tear everybody this morning I'm ready to tear everybody apart and including Michael my other half and I I walked in I go I've got to start my day over and I walked back into the bedroom <laughs> and he and he comes in he's like tiptoeing he's like hey babe and I I swear it was like what I know I'm holding my Bible or, or my big book, whatever I was doing at the time, but he walks in and it, the funny part is like, he's like, I know what you're doing right now. Uh, it was just, uh, do you need, or whatever it was. And I was like, he leaves and I'm like, I, I just, I, I don't cope very well without a higher power. So my answer in a very long form to what I do is I have to seek my higher power. I am, when I wake up in the morning, I journal, I write to God. I do a gratitude list. I do affirmations. I say, I am a prolific and award-winning songwriter. I affirm, affirm, affirm. Sometimes I say I am in the house I'm supposed to be in. I am in a good marriage. I am in, I am a good friend. I am, it just depends on my time that day. Um, in The words of Ray Wiley Hubbard, I am a prolific and award-winning songwriter. He's the one who told me to write that down and to believe it. And so along with the affirmations, right after that, I put my pin down for a second and then I asked God to talk back to me. And I write my name and I write back to me. And sometimes all it says is just keep looking up, follow direction today and stay in the present. A couple of days ago, I wrote back on the paper, maybe it's God. For you don't believe in it, great. I do. It said, don't put me next to you, put me in front of you and let me guide you. I was in Mm. tears writing it. It was just Mm. great goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) And it was like, I couldn't believe it. And then I opened one of my readers, Jen, it was crazy. I opened one of my readers and it's one Michael's mother's uh, his aunt gave to me. And it literally talks about on the paper, like it talks about how, uh, let me lead you. Yeah. Good orderly direction. You know, and for the people that have a hard time struggling with the God word, I did too. I was one, I was a Buddhist, I was a Scientologist. I always tell that's part of my story because I refuse to believe in God. And now I don't. I have a higher, I have the most amazing relationship. And so my relationship with my higher power creates a relationship with you. Therefore, these walls get to come down and I get to be a better me in front of you. Remember, I said I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. So with a little bit of time, 15 minutes, I just start with some kind of spiritual work to keep my brain in the present or relieve a little bit of the stress. Cause I am so amped up with stress, sometimes resentments, you know, that I've got to get out mm-hmm. that drinking or drugging. I can be in that situation. Cause you know what I do for a living and I could just that one time, just one time it goes by me and I pick it up. I'm terrified. I never want to go back to that life again. Cause I don't think I'd come back. Yeah, I don't.
2: Well, and they say it's a progressive disease. So yeah. however you're, you. I mean, was bad now, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it continued to progress further than where you were at. It's not that you just pick up from where you were at. You pick up from now. So however, that would have progressed over the last 10 years.
1: Didn't so they I say,
2: think- didn't they say,
1: don't they say this? Sorry to interrupt. Um, don't they say that, um, Um, if you, our disease is like a tiger, a baby tiger, and it it's little bitty. And even if you stop drinking, the tiger keeps growing. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was so my guitar players say that he's been sober like 30 years. He's like, and he's been with me 16 years. So he dealt with all of my drama. And, uh, but it was like, so the tiger gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the next thing you know, it's, it's hurting everybody around you
2: right yeah and i think that's a beautiful way to look at it because it does seem so innocent and tiny and cute and it's it's us in college thinking this is what it's yeah. like and let's just play with the baby tiger but right. you know it's we're feeding this addiction and we don't even know that it exists so right. i think that's that's great so what would you say to someone today who is questioning if they have a problem if they're feeling lost in their life what advice would you give to them Mm.
1: Ask for help. Mm. I, I waited so long. I needed help so long ago. Mm-hmm. I I um I I had been taught such great skills of hiding who I really was that nobody really knew what was going on. Now people deep, 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 close, deep, deeper than they need to be really close, knew but I had no, uh, I didn't want anyone to know. So I wouldn't ask for help. I'm good. I'm good. It's kind of like falling off of something. I'm good. I'm good. Meanwhile, your arms just hanging. No, I'm good. I'm good. Things are great. Mm-hmm. Or like, Oh, are you guys okay? Oh, we're awesome. We're great. Yeah. See that yeah. pageant, the pageant girl comes out. I'm great. Oh, oh, things are so good. Yes. And most people that know me are like, she's full of crap. Yeah. She's lying. That girl's lying. I tell people, don't do what I did. Please get help. Please ask for help. I know life can seem very overwhelming and sometimes I didn't want to live. I just wanted it to end. I would beg God, even in sobriety to take me. I just want to come home. I don't want to deal with anymore. And I realize that that's because I don't want to cope with anything in life. If you're hurting or you're struggling, Jen and I are on here facing mental health issues and recovery and you can do it too, but help is available more mm. than it ever has been. Mm. And women ask another woman for help. Men ask for men. And then, I mean, that's just my belief, but in the end, you don't have to do this alone. I like to be alone. I like to, I, I as people as I am, I'm the biggest isolator of anybody I, I know. And my isolation is scary. Oh, it's so scary because I- No, I'm not asking for help. And I know I'm going down the dark hole of depression again. Um, Two years ago, the reason I tell you this is because two years ago, I almost drank again. And it was over a person, a friend that I thought was one of my best friends and the betrayal and the things I found out of someone I'd been truly a friend to. Today, I can sit here and tell you I was truly a friend for the first time in my life. Like, really, I was I did the best I could, but I almost drank over a human. But you know the difference? Yes, I lost my mind. Michael thought he was going to call 5150. I thought I wanted to kill myself. It was terrible. It was only lasted a day.
0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And I called and I reached out for help. I said, please, I'm hurting so bad. I went to therapy. I got help. Women in the program, my girlfriends that are healthy, people came forward because I said, I need help. People don't believe that a musician, I wasn't allowed to talk about all this, For the first time in my life, I'm talking about it. So you can too no matter what you do for a living, I don't care what you do, a mother, a housewife, you guys have the, you have the hardest job of any of us. So it's like, please reach out. Don't think that you can take care of every kid, your husband and everyone by yourself. We're here for
2: you. How did your relationships improve when you started to reach out and allow people to help you?
3: Ooh, uh, wow. That's, that's,
1: that is crazy. You just said that. Because I didn't think about it until it just comes naturally with the program for us, you know, but because of the relationship with my sponsor who walked me through the 12 steps, which that's, that's my program. I I say that because not everyone has a program, you know, so, um, my, after my sponsor walked me through the steps and I developed that relationship with her of trust, my relationship with my friends improved, my relationship with my fiance improved. Um, she told me things I didn't want to hear. Mm. Um, so it prepped me for other people. So it did take me getting narrowed down to one person Mm -hmm. to walk me through the 12 steps to now that my relationships are great. So some of these, I had one woman show up to my house every morning at 9am to clean my house when I first got sober. Um, that wouldn't have happened. Um, unless I was drinking and drugging and my friend wanted to come over and S party or something. I, I don't know. I don't really know, but I do know that it's helping me in my relationship today yeah. with this one. <laughs> I'm pointing back at this one. He's
2: downstairs. <laughs> well, I, and, and then I asked because that was my experience as well. I, I had people, I kept them, you know, it was like the Heisman. I'm like, you can only get so close to me because I don't want you to see all the dysfunction that was happening. When I was able to just say, I need help. And I was able to address me and fall in love with me and become whole and complete. And my relationships with my family, with my parents, with how I, my dating relationships, those all changed exponentially. I mean, that was just like a benefit of me getting sober, learning to love myself, all of these things. And and that was a huge benefit because it can feel alone leading all these different lives and people at bay, trying to do it all yourself. And you don't have to, you can just ask, simply ask for help. And with that, not only are you sober, but you have better relationships, which means you're happier. It's happier to live life with some, you know, people and with community and and that. So, so that's
1: why I asked. Yeah. But you said something when you said community and it's so much better to live with everybody else. I didn't ever feel like that and I didn't want that. I didn't want this community. I didn't want anyone to figure out who I was or if they did, they're not going to like me. Or if they do, they're not going to want to be uh, hire me or I better drink with them or drug with them. Or uh, maybe she'll like me if I do it this way, or maybe they will, if I sing it that way, or if I play it this way. Oh my God. I mean, talk about exhausting. When you develop the right people around you that you've asked for help, the honesty comes out and you're like, oh, I will find myself like I've been myself with you the whole time today. I'll find myself getting off of this, you know, some of the interviews I do. And I was very honest and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have been like that. I I shouldn't. Um, I shouldn't talk like that. And when you said that, I recognize once you start living an honest life because of these people that have been around to help you, your relationships improve because the honesty Mm -hmm. hasn't like you've improved because you're an honest person. Now you're like, and not that I was always, I was not, I was, I was always cash register, honest. And some people don't understand when we're saying dishonesty, we're talking about with ourselves, like who we are. And I was lying to you because I was lying to me. Mm -hmm. And that when you said the community part today, God, that is so well said Mm -hmm. it is about community. And I, I think that, um, even in our programs you have to be careful of who you befriend so yes. Yes. that's why it's important to create a network of women and men that you allow in so you can find out how to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's why you keep your circle very small mm-hmm. and then you can outreach you know but but i i had to be brought back in cuz i was like that <laughs> okay Zebras, right? Everyone's running from the tiger. Or there's a lion or whatever eats them, <laughs> so they're going and going and going. I'm the one out there going squirrel. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm off. No, I'm not even worried about the lions and tigers and bears because I'm so like no, I'm good. No, really. Oh, look, berries. You know, I mean, instead of <laughs> whatever they eat, I don't even know. But it was like my program put me in the middle of the herd. Yeah surrounded me and next thing i'm running i'm galloping i'm galloping i'm galloping I'm like and people are being eaten left and right back behind us i don't even know because that herd surrounded yeah. themselves around me and i i quit that's what i mean about the people who won't jump in because they refuse to i really was that one like la, 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 what you know oh, the bear I, and i i say that lightly i was a death waiting to happen didn't even yeah. know it yeah didn't even you know i, I didn't even know. So. Yeah. God gives me the courage to now tell the truth, honestly, what I'm going through, what I'm at. And, you know, sometimes I hate to say this people in the music industry in general, I don't think this is music industry. Let's just say entertainment industry, even with what you're doing, you know, you do well. this is, I think even being a host is still entertainment. People think that because we're doing what we're doing, um, there's a motive and I'm sure there are people who do that. However, what this kind of situation, what Jen's doing, at least I feel is bringing to light what we could do for a community, what we could do to help each other, what we could do to bring those people that are looking at berries into the center. (laughs) That's my new thing. You know, the, 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 the zebra that's hanging out with the giraffes. I don't know, put them in the middle of their herd so they can be taught to be the zebra, you know, that they deserve to be or whatever, Giselle, whatever you want to call it. But it's like, I think um, I don't know how to live life without this tribe of people, um, including you, Jen, uh, th- that I've developed. And and I'll, I'll be honest with you, even some of those tribes, I learned how to not be too. Yeah. Like, oh. I'm gonna- yeah, and
2: and that's for introverts and extroverts. I mean, there is a community that we need to have, and I I get it as much as I like being by myself. Sometimes you gotta have community. So, and I feel like Africa is in your future in some point because you got a little baby tiger <laughs> living in you, and it becomes a big tiger. I think she's it like is. eating berries with gazelles running by her. I'm like, I think she needs to go <laughs> to Africa. <laughs>
1: so that I'm to- going. I'm going to- only for that reason.
2: Yeah. But the animals
1: that are here to eat us, I know that sounds crazy. Um, sometimes we put ourselves in that position. Yeah. And i what a great, let me give you the, a little dark thing. The places that I ended up in my drug addiction, the places I hung, the nights I ran, the humans I intermingled with, I cannot believe sometimes I am sitting here in front of you, right? Yeah. Because I watch a lot of murder mystery and it'll be the exact story. Sometimes I think I'm obsessed with that stuff because I get to see what could have happened. Mm. And these girls are like clueless. Um, You know, they, they used to joke when I was younger because I really was such an airhead. Like what? Like I'm walking around New York, like flipping my purse. You know, I just, I'm not thinking I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not And it wasn't because I'm dumb. It's because I really am just, I wanted to be vacant and happy for everybody. So nobody knew what was going on. I'm great. It has to stop somewhere. It has to be like, there are moments for that, but there's the darkness is that I can't help you and you can't help me if we're not going to try to work together to create this community of safety.
2: Yeah. 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 No, I love it. And community is, is so important. So Rachel, you have such a great and amazing story. And I just, I love everything about you. Everything I heard two years ago, you have to be Rachel Stacy. So, so what is your life like today? What is it like to be a sober musician doing the thing? And you play, let's, let's just, I'm just going to, I'm going there. Okay. You've played with Willie Nelson, with George Thurgood, you, um, who, like everybody, anybody who's anybody you've played with and <laughs> you are one of the most, in fact, I voted for you. I'm not Thank sure. You. If, of course I voted for you. So Rachel was up for the fiddler of the year in Texas. Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I, so you will find out vote. Yes. So we'll find out. Um, but you absolutely have my vote. So, but you, I mean, are so incredible and you're, you are a performer. You don't just go sing some songs, but, and all your outfits, I mean, everything about you looks, looks (laughs) just like a musician with the fiddle and your vocals and everything. So what is your life like today being sober in the entertainment industry? What does it look like for you? Um, you know, it's nothing like I thought it would be. And
1: 10 years later, I am in the studio with Ray Wiley Hubbard. Mm -hmm. We are cutting an EP right now together. We were there all last week. Um, Mm -hmm. Him and Judy are very dear to us and their son, Lucas. And I say that because they are it's just the musical family. Um, the events that go behind it all the way up to now, you know, I I had a new record come out a few years ago that stalled for a little while. I had a song uh, called boomerang that came out a few years ago. Um, life got in the way and stalled my career for a little bit. And I say stall meaning on the business side behind the scenes. Um, but I always kept playing. I've never stopped. Uh, so today it's, I'm a new songwriter. I'm uh, doing things, you know, in the Americana route much more than I ever have been. Um, this record that's coming out with Ray is I'm, it's so different and, but it's me. Mm. Uh, so, but what it looks like today is I have attracted better people. I have, I'm working with people that I look up to in the music scene. Um, I'm not a big, I don't, I'm not the Grammy award-winning artist. However, however, on my affirmations, I do write, I am a prolific and award-winning songwriter Mm -hmm. that was given to me by Ray to write every single day since uh, 10 years ago. Mm. And, um, today it's, um, a matter of, I don't do music to be approved of or someone to like me. Cause I really worried that's where I was going years ago. I do it because I ask my higher power every day to utilize my to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't want me doing music to show me what else to do, because I'll be a janitor. I don't care because I'm willing to do anything to stay sober. Anything, and if my music, you know, there's there's some musicians that got out of music because they can't stop drinking and drugging, mm. and um, I don't think that's my case. But if if it was taken from me today, um, and I was told to do something else, I would do it. But I am in love with my career, but I can't make it my god. Mm-hmm. So today it's about oh,
2: that's good. That's yeah. really good. Thank you. Ooh, Any, I, that gave me goosebumps.
1: Anything too. you put before. Mm. Dang it your higher power, God, it will be removed mm. sometimes momentarily, sometimes forever, depending on how you decide to utilize it. Um, I'm a better violinist I've ever been. Mm. I'm a better guitar player than I've ever been. Um, I'm a better, okay. We can need to work on the piano a little bit. It's right here. Um, I'm a better artist but that's because it's inside of me instead of getting you to approve of who I am or how well I play. That's big for me. Yeah. And it was so bad. We were in the studio last week and I'd come out from the studio and I'd wait for Ray's approval or Pat's approval and, or look over at Lucas or any of them to be like, you know, I wanted this I wanted wanted a lot of that. And then it'd be like thrown at me. Damn, that was good. And I'm like, what, what? (laughs) And I, I recognized, I was like, Oh my gosh, 10 years later, I'm a 10 times better player. Yeah. But why? Cause I went in with believing in myself, not with trying to get you like me. It yeah. was the aftermath that I wanted you to like me. <laughs> I,
2: was yeah. like, I do want you to like the music. That's very important. <laughs> I love it. So when is this, uh, when is the CD to be released? Do we know?
1: It'll be 2022 because okay. you, you don't want to release at the end of the year. So we'll, oh, we're finishing
2: okay. vocals. Okay. We're finishing vocals.
1: Um, soon.
2: Okay. And, and so. Is- Oh, sorry.
1: Go ahead. No, no. I was just saying soon, and I, I don't want to give a date because then that makes us do it. So wanna, i think okay. It, so
2: if people want to follow you, is Instagram the best way to be up to date? Or I here's what I requested people Spotify, okay. Amazon, Apple, add
1: me to your Spotify list, please. That's how we get out there. Okay. Um, and uh, YouTube, I have my videos and my songs on there, uh, but then Instagram, Facebook. Uh Facebook is Rachel Stacy Music. You'll know because there's like just it's my like page, not my personal page. Um, but Instagram and Twitter. And uh you can Google me. I know it sounds so snobby, but like Google me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So you're on all the things. So but all the is things. So all this is- stuff is as that is so important for everybody that is listening to go out and support Rachel Stacy, And, you. you know, whether that be, you know, Spotify, liking her songs, all those things make a big difference for people that are growing their business. And we want to support you, Rachel, because you have such an amazing story. You, you have such a great glow to you. And I'm so proud of you. We are also proud of <laughs> you, you for just paving the way. 10 years is incredible. Incredible. That is incredible. And 10 and 15, 10 and 15. You've got a lot of sobriety in in a lot of different areas. So hey,
1: I want to tell you something about you real quick. I think it's really cool. And I I hope this makes this is that when you called me that day or text me and said, I want to talk to you about your 10 years. And I was like, I don't, I don't have, I don't have 10 years. Didn't even notice till Ginger called me and said it. I was like, Oh my gosh, I have 10 years this year. And then that's when it all began. I was like, Oh my God, I have 10
2: years. <laughs> Cause it was well in advance. I was tracking. It date. was like January. <laughs> I think I was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so fantastic. Thank you, thank you for noticing. Of course. So it's such an honor to have you here today to hear your Thank story you. and we wish you all the best and Thank we cannot you. wait to hear this CD. So, or that I can't I wait for you CD, to hear it. Either. Is that what we call them these days? Your new album? I guess they're not just say EP EP slash. Well, your EP's EP is under
1: five, four or five. What does that mean, EP just means four or five songs. You can say album. It's still an album. album no sounds good. I like album. I'm like CDs. Do they exist? Do DVDs exist anymore?
2: I, hey and I will,
1: old. It, It's I know I think we're getting older, but it was like um, to have Ray Wiley Hubbard endorse me. Um, you know, I've worked with some of the biggest names in music and I all I'm so grateful for all the endorsements I've ever had. But there's a story behind this one. If he wouldn't have given me that those words 10 years ago, and then 10 years later, after we lose touch and now his whole I'm we've got this great record coming no matter what, it's a story. And maybe in that story, another musician could hear and listen to what we're doing and get sober or their life could change.
2: I don't, I don't know. I just, I hope, um, I know it will help somebody. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. We appreciate you. We will be watching you and all the best on your journey. This is Jen Sugarmeyer with recovery today magazine, bringing you stories of strength and hope. Thank you again, Rachel. We'll see you next Mm -hmm. time.
3: Take Take care. care. Thank you.